0: In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill
1: of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the all new oil and gas digital doers podcast right here on the oil and gas global network. This episode and every episode on the show, uh, is sponsored by our good friends at top coder and, uh, and if you don't know what Topcoder is, then you need to know, especially if, if you're trying to get digital done, um, then you know that that involves bringing in a lot of skills uh, and, and people. And Topcoder's got a way uh, to help you do that that's pretty, uh, pretty innovative and amazingly effective. So if you're not familiar with something called Open Talent Models, uh, it is the latest rage in, in, in this. So, so, so have a look at topcoder.com. We do love our sponsors at OGGN. Uh, not only do they help us uh, pay the bills, uh, which, which we desperately need, but also every one of them is doing something really good for the industry. And that's why we work with them. So, uh, so check out our sponsors in particular, topcoder.com. Also, want uh, this is a, a new show, um, and uh, we could debate about how long I'm allowed to keep calling it a new show, but I'm going to keep calling it new uh, for a while. And and so thanks to uh, the listeners. Every every week I look at the uh, the little fanometer, and it goes up, and more people are listening to it. So um, if you if you found out about this show by listening to Oil and Gas Tech or one of the other OGGN uh, shows, then uh, that's great, and you should uh, tell all your friends and family so that they will know uh, that they should be listening too. I have a great. Uh, guests today we're going to talk about um some some it's a little bit of a different conversation it's going to be good um and uh and and so we're going to talk a little bit about how um how various types of disciplines particularly product the, pro, the kind of the commercial product management approach can really help oil and gas companies uh, succeed with their with their digital initiatives but first i gotta i gotta tell everybody that uh Uh, OGGN is uh, the only guest global network is lighting up this year Uh, we're back Uh, we got new uh, new podcasts that have just been released. So you can go to our website and learn about all of those. Um, this is, this is one of them, but there are others. Um, there's one that's called journey to the energy C suite. So if that doesn't sound fascinating, then I can't help you because that, that is one that everybody should be, uh, should be listening to. We also got one energy scale-ups with Jose Solis. Uh, it's being sponsored by Halliburton labs. Um, so go to OGGN.com, look at the new podcast also. And of course, all of those podcasts you can listen to on, on all the regular platforms, but the website is a good place to go and find out which ones they are. And you can see all of our pictures and learn about, uh, about all the hosts. Um, uh, also we, we got, we're back in the live event business and we got the OGGN happy hours starting up, uh, the very first one, uh, in, in, in over a year is happening to, well, it's tomorrow for me. By the time you're listening, by by the time you hear this, uh, it will have already happened. But it's tomorrow for me. We're really excited about it. It's here in Houston, and uh, these happy hour events are legendary. They're great networking events. Plus, we have uh, fantastic panel discussions. So, um, so if you're in Houston, look for those uh, every month now on the last Thursday of every month. Uh, and if you're not in Houston, uh, we might we we we're hoping to be able to take them to other cities as well, like we used to. Okay, that's enough on that. I want to welcome. Um, from 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 the company called Kepler, uh, which uh, which is actually spelled K P L E R. If you're if you're if you're quickly googling that to find out to find out what Kepler is, um, I have today uh, Shruti Bansal, who is uh, joining us all the way from the faraway land of Dubai, I believe. So, Shruti, thanks for uh, thanks for thanks for staying up uh, to be on late TV with us.
1: Thank you, Michael, for having me
0: it's not yeah it's not so you are in dubai right is i got that right Mm -hmm. yeah so it's not it's not too late there yet right i mean we're not like i'm not keeping you i'm not i'm not keeping you awake it's uh it's like what what we figured this out before right it's like uh, (laughs) yeah it's just it's eight eight hours eight hours yeah
1: yeah
0: okay so so thank you for uh thanks thanks for being on the show we're um we're just Kepler and and, and we're just kind of learning about each other a little bit uh, and and starting to do some new things together. But um, I, I know that uh, I so I know you're a you're a product manager for Kepler, and I know that you got uh, like a finance and economics background. You were previously on a trading floor. So um, so what else? But just before we get into it, what else? Uh, what other interesting interesting things about Shruti can we learn today?
1: Um, Yeah, um, the formal introduction is I'm working as principal product manager at Kepler. Um, So far, I've had like around 10 years of experience working in commodities and shipping space, um, primarily in shipping. And that has uh, given me the opportunity to live and travel around the world. I've worked and lived in Singapore, Dubai, South Africa, Hamburg, working with various greenhouses and energy utilities. Uh, In analysis and trading Um, and I joined Kepler around two years ago um, leading the development of the freight analytics product Um, and fun fact we just today we celebrated um, the first anniversary of the freight product so I guess it's the perfect yeah yeah, thank you
0: it's a perfect occasion
1: to record this podcast
0: yeah that's 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 good so so the first thing that i noticed is you said that you've been at this for about 10 years but you've lived in like six different countries so Mm -hmm. do you do you like even unpack the boxes or do you just take them from (laughs) from one place to the next
1: yeah i just live out of one box that i have for my essentials and everything else stays as it is
0: right it's like it's like you're still (laughs) in college basically yeah just just precisely nothing
1: has changed
0: that no it's 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 fantastic uh experience you know i think every, a lot of times i think everybody should be forced to live in different places just to mm-hmm. uh um, except not me i don't want to have to live anywhere else but i think <laughs> it's a great idea for, for everyone else so let's all right before we get into uh this topic um let's talk about kepler a little bit and and this product that uh that you just launched so what um what is so for for those who don't know uh what does kepler do
1: Okay, so um, like I mentioned, Kepler is a data and analytics company. Our mission is to kind of facilitate sustainable and efficient trade, commodity trade across the globe. Um, We are strongly focused on commodity markets. We provide real-time intelligence on a series of market fundamentals, be it commodity flows, inventories, and more recently, freight. Um, The coverage, we cover more than 40 different products, including crude oil, refined products, LNG, and also dry bulk. Um, What we try to do is through our technology-based solutions, we try and fill information gaps in the commodity markets. We know for the longest time, the industry has remained opaque. Uh, There are pockets of information that are not available to essentially all the players, be it because of lack of it or just not being Quality data, aggregated, not not aggregated enough. So we try to fill those gaps. The clients we have are using the information uh, we provide to get a deeper understanding of the markets, which helps them also drive business, different business and commercial opportunities, monitor competition. And also because we are essentially quality data provider, they also feed this into their own analysis model for leveraging the data.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm,
1: yeah, uh, the company was founded in 2014, um, and we've experienced organic growth. What I mean is we have not have investment from within or outside the industry. Right. Um, our revenue is growing around $20 yeah. million dollars and above. It goes up. Um, we have over 5,500 users globally coming from 600 client companies that we have, 150 employees across the globe. Um, and we also have an office in Houston, so if you want to ever meet up, just let us know.
0: Oh, that I, I saw, see, I didn't even realize that. That's fantastic. So mm-hmm. besides, um, so besides being the principal product manager, you're also like the Kepler Encyclopedia of facts. So, <laughs> that's very good It's fantastic. Yep. I don't think I've ever had anybody that actually knew their company that well. So commodities, uh, so so we let's so let's we'll play a little game here first before, mm-hmm. then, before we' gonna do this. so come on so so let's see if you can guess which commodity this is. So I'm thinking of a commodity that involves massive amounts of capital spending, huge amounts of uncertainty and decision risk, People's lives on the line in dangerous places, and hanging on all those decisions and operational uh, uh, effectiveness are uh, are uh, besides people's lives and billions of dollars of capital. What also depends on these uh, on these decisions is let's see, uh, like the global economy and geopolitical stability. So. Can you guess which commodity that (laughs) I'm thinking of?
1: (laughs) I would say every commodity out there. Um, Could
0: be. Could be. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just sometimes I think people in oil and gas, people outside of the industry, they don't Mm -hmm. always really appreciate like how like the, the level of complexity and massiveness and risk and and like. You know, you make one bad decision, and mm-hmm. it's like the right. It's like the like the butterfly in Africa that causes the the hurricane in the Atlantic yep. or whatever that is, right? Yep. So yep. so it's uh, oh, and I forgot to mention also uh, incredible volatility. So um, so it's interesting to uh, to look and 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 people are trying always to try to predict what's going to happen in, mm-hmm. in, in the industry and. Um, and they always get it wrong, almost. So, um, <laughs> so, so yep. good. All right, that was a little. That was a little sidebar. So, um, so you and you just launched this. So, you, so you spent one year launching a new product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so you went. So, so you were on the trading floor, and one day you said, "I'm going to be a product manager." And a year, uh, and it, and a, a year later, you launched a commercial product. So, what was like?
1: <laughs> in a, what, year, what was in that a, year like a, for you? <laughs> Oh, I mean, it was a roller coaster for me, Um, but thankfully I had previous experience from the volatility of the markets I was in, so I was able to manage it. Um, But yeah, I mean, how it started was um, I got introduced to Kepler on a trading floor. Um, I was working in the freight uh, Uh desk at the time, um, and what they were doing was quite interesting to me. Um, and. I knew my own struggles working within the space that existed between the access to data, quality data, um, how to leverage uh, the technology we have into solving day-to-day issues. And Mm -hmm. that's where I saw the gap. And I think that's what made me join Kepler um, because I saw an opportunity Mm -hmm. to kind of deliver something that's going to hopefully outlive me uh, to an industry that, I've been part of that has given me all my professional growth so far. I'm passionate right. about it. Right. So just to yeah deliver some real value to the industry.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that, that's a, that's a great um, uh, yeah that that's a great frame of mind to be in. It's, this is interesting because um, so some of, so some of our listeners might be thinking right now like uh, okay I don't like what is how how do how do we get from this to uh, digital transformation in oil and gas operations, but I think, um, a- as we've mentioned uh, on other episodes, uh, the industry right now, it can uh, people are beginning to see that there's a lot to be learned from other related industries, uh, related disciplines, and um, and and for example, we talk about uh, learning lessons from. Uh, you know, from uh, uh, manufacturing, uh, if, like from process manufacturing, not from discrete. Well, either one. But um, and so the thing that I, I think that's interesting about this is um, uh, you we we are many many oil and gas companies now have a lot of initiatives going on um, to try to to like design and build and deploy um uh, very all types of different solutions uh within you know within various disciplines so everything from 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 drilling automation to uh you know uh, like remote maintenance and inspections and all the things that we talk about on the tech show and on the show and um and they all involve data every single one of them involves involves data and um and and getting these things uh, from from like the concept and the idea out to the point where you have a, like a real viable working solution that can be deployed, even though they're not building it necessarily for commercial purposes to mm-hmm. sell. The same principles, I think, you know, I think the same principles apply in terms of if you if you follow those same things. So what? Um, so so let's kind of start there. What did you? Learn so as you became a proper product manager. What mm-hmm. were some of the big things that you learned as far as um, uh, what what makes a successful product? You know, an effective. So I don't mean necessarily commercially. Successful. Well, I guess mm-hmm. one one depends on the other. But but how do you how do you how did you get like? I mean, you did this in a year. So so what were the mm-hmm. lessons that you learned there?
1: Yeah, sure. And i I'll, I'll try and draw a comparison um, in my previous roles. Uh, where we were using, like our customers were internal at the time. So if I'm supporting, I don't like business development team or even traders or doing uh, analysis for myself, like I'm my own customer or my desk is my customer. What has changed with Kepler is, okay, now our external uh, customers are external. But I think in totality, what I've learned over the last two years, one years of development and one years after launching the product is that, you do need a, a structure and a discipline to, to develop a solution. doesn't matter internal or external. Um, right. I think first and foremost, you need to go back to the drawing board and figure out why you want to do what you want to do. A lot of people start with, okay, this is my solution. I'm going to develop a vessel tracking system. Sure, that's great, but that's the solution. You need to figure out why you want to build it. And for that, you need to have a very clear vision Um, of the feedback of your users? What are their pain points? So before you start developing anything, take some time, take a break, go back to the drawing board and figure out why you want to do this. Yeah. And I think that gave us a lot of clarity and helped us in staying focused on what's the end goal.
0: So when you, so when you asked, stop and ask that question, why, um, Mm -hmm. um, what did you, uh, did, did is that was that a like did you did you find out anything that, that yes, you didn't know yes. at that point? Like because sometimes we say, let's ask the question why, and everybody asks the mm-hmm. question why and we give the answer yeah. that we already knew in the first place and we move on to the next thing. So so did it did it introduce any new thinking into what you were doing?
1: Yes, I mean I had a biased view because I came from that space. But I think as as someone who potentially not coming from the industry doesn't know the in and out pain points, I think this is a very good exercise. Um, so we did discover plenty of reasons why we should build the freight product, uh, but mm-hmm. we did narrow it down to like three pain points uh, being like multiple providers of data. So not like a one single platform giving the data, you have to have multiple subscription, which also it's not just purely about the cost, but just about the time and the processing it takes to kind of integrate those solutions so that's right. very time consuming so that was one of the reasons we thought okay there's a gap and then i think the second most important one was we did realize the providers out there were mostly focused on the commercial operational side of the business i'll talk about shipping in that sense that there were softwares out there that can help you manage your fleet of let's say 50 vessels you can kind of have your performance pnl Um, documentation, all of that, but I think the gap was um, before as a vessel owner um, to be able to decide if you want 50 vessels in your fleet or not. So have that market intelligence argument that before you make trading decisions, do you have enough information to be well informed that are you making the right decision? So I think that's something that we also identified and then there were plenty of more but yeah we did discover um why we want to make free
0: right so so you're really looking so you're taking a hard look at what is the current state of things for people who are trying to uh to perform these operations Mm -hmm. or these functions and and you're trying to and you know um like I will, so we have, so my, so my friend Kayla Ball at uh, at Valadere, who I've known for many years, she's been on, on, on the show before I think, or maybe mm-hmm. she's been on the tech show, but but she always likes to say uh, she was a product manager for many years um, uh, for uh, IHS and SMT and some others, and she always says, well, first could we please uh, like figure out what problem are we solving? And it seems like such an obvious question, (laughs) and sometimes Mm -hmm. you you have an hour discussion and you still haven't got past what problem are we solving, right? So, um, but but that's but that really is important, Um, and it seems and like I said, it seems obvious, but but so so you were taking a look at um, what what happens, what do people do now? where mm-hmm. does it break down for them and what really do we need to bring uh, into their world to, to make it better. And, and you, and when you look at that closely, you find out that maybe it's not exactly what you thought in the first place. Right.
1: Precisely. And yeah. I'll add something um, interesting that I also discovered that while 90% of the users or people who are giving you feedback will tell you explicitly, this is what you want. 10% of the times, Not because they want to hide that uh, need, but they just are not able to communicate it. So as a product manager, you have to also keep connecting with the market participants and try and identify what they're not telling you. And it has happened in various instances where we we organize these product advisory sessions um, with our users. We take one hour, we connect with them, and we ask them to explain us what is their day-to-day like. Mm -hmm. And again, they tell us, oh, this is what we want, A, B, C. But during that call, we also kind of have identified, okay, this is something that is potentially a pain point. We have worked on it. We've taken the risk. We've delivered it. And it has been very positively received.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, right. So (laughs) it's funny because um, a lot of what you're describing is what the software development world Especially the mm-hmm. commercial software development world has learned over you know recent years, and and some of these things are things that if, if you and I and I spent some time in that world, so uh, I know that these were the kinds of things that we talked about all the time. Um, and but when you look inside an oil and gas company at, at digital initiatives, so many times they're very much focused on, like I said before uh drilling automation and uh you know where are we gonna get the data and how we're gonna process the Mm -hmm. data or or edge compute right where we want to get all the data from the from the from all the sensors we want to send it to the cloud do the analytics or right or or we're trying to do uh you know like remote automation for maintenance or we're trying to use AI and machine learning for seismic interpretation and we focus a lot on the on the data and the compute and all that um but but all of those things involve, like, humans who have to do stuff, mm-hmm. right? And if we don't and, – and this is another thing that comes up a lot in discussions about digital uh, success is adoption is key. So um, so mm-hmm. what you were just describing tells me that um, you, you, you still have to approach these things with the, the human in mind. What mm-hmm. are they doing? And are you going to give them something – If they don't adopt it, if they don't use it, then then you've just wasted all your time, right?
1: Absolutely. And I would say the role of um, human capital in product development and success, I think it's it's in two folds. I think first is, and again, this is what we try to do at Kepler, is we try to balance technology um, or artificial and human intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk a bit about how we um generate proprietary data what we call kepler's proprietary data okay. so A, we, we start with a lot of uh primary resources like more than 500 resources that already exist like lineups um uh, broker reports all those of things um we also have sources that include like satellite imagery customs um ground news etc and then we process and aggregate uh these different data sets um and we also try um, and solve, put these pieces of puzzles together, um, rebuild this puzzle in a meaningful way. And we do this by mixing the artificial and human intelligence. Um, That means we do use data technology, but we do not consider it as an end in itself. Um, We are not tech fanatics. We do focus on complex niche markets for which we do need the expertise um, of the market participants. So I think that's one very important human element
0: right, that you right.
1: can't completely rely on technology. Um, I would say balance it out, maybe 80, 90% technology and 10% human expertise. And I can give a very quick example on yeah, one yeah, of sure. the features we built. It, it's called congestion, which is essentially what is the traffic jam for the vessels, the tankers, Right. Right, and we used um, again. We did not want like when I started looking at congestion back in twenty eleven, it was in an Excel sheet, and I mm-hmm. had to copy paste data from PDF and clean and I mean it was a nightmare.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right, good times. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I came to Kepler, I was like, okay, and it's an important matrix for various reasons. I'm not going to get into that. So we knew I knew we we have to build this, and I knew we could not just rely on on dated. Processes, so we use something technology um, called DBSCAN. It's a very mm-hmm. simple clustering algorithm, and using that, like we could, let's say, map different waiting zones in, in around the world. So, essentially, we have 5,000 ports in the world. We could map all of that in a day. And if you try to do that manually, it's going to take you at least three months, right? Right. So we leverage where we could leverage the technology, and it gave us 90% of the time. Those zones were very accurate, but that ten percent obviously were outliers, right? And that's where we brought in the market experts, our data ops team, to kind of add that market knowledge and business knowledge, and years of experience that they had, to kind of make this balance and deliver a product.
0: Right, right. So your, um, so your, so your point of orientation is really what the human needs to do, right? Yeah and then so, and then you're showing that up right right
1: yeah so that was the one part that internally we have this human intelligence that we add on to our artificial intelligence and deliver something so i think we need to keep that in mind right, and i think right. secondly we work very closely with the industry players like we've been in this space since 2014 now i think given the track record and what we've delivered we've now we do now have players who think of us as partners and they Mm -hmm. trust us in giving us their feedback. We try and listen as much as we can. Our roadmaps are driven by their feedback. So I think those two things like using human intelligence within the product and also using human feedback to drive the, what you want to build, I think are very important.
0: Yeah, it's funny how much stuff gets created without, that really close uh feedback uh kind of like you said the working hand in hand with the so in your case it's the industry players right but, mm-hmm. but th- effectively like if you abstract that those those are the people that you're delivering something for that are going to use it right and um and so everything that we're doing in oil and gas and digital uh you know like i said before it has there are there are humans you know, okay. like like okay there are a few things that maybe are looking like it's going to be fully automated and and maybe for the most part no humans need to be involved on a regular basis but i think that's the exception i think most stuff is still you still have people that have to um what you're trying to do is reinvent whole workflows uh, and 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 there's always you know, as, I mean, as opposed to like these individual point solutions for digital transformation, what we really want to do in the industry is we want to look at, at whole workflows end to end and we want to rethink those and reinvent those and say, how could this be getting done completely differently? Um, that has to make sense to people, right? So you've got to, yeah, cause you're not, people aren't going to be removed from that completely. And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so what, so, so the same kinds of things that you're saying, Th- this, um, um, let's talk a little bit about the data problem because you did mention that when you were, um, when you were a trader and you're struggling with the data, um, we talk about this all the time, um, in, in oil and gas. Uh, like I said, every single one of these things involves data. Um, and the industry produces like, like more data than you could ever try to get your, get your head around. Um, what, and so people end up just, it just becomes overwhelming, right? Like, like there's so much data that I need and there's so much and it's in so many places and it doesn't go together, right? And like, what's the, <laughs> how, how do you go from saying, uh, I, I don't have the data that I need and I don't know how to get it and and uh, and I'm throwing my hands up in the air. How do you go from that point to, say, to, to actually like being at a point where you, where you have what you need and you can use it? that that i know that's a big question <laughs> that's a big question so <laughs> so but that's kind of what you were facing right is uh you're like this isn't this is no good and i got it has to get better so what did you do
1: absolutely and i think back in i would say like 5 years ago the struggle was getting data because we were so new to generating data that it was scarce and i think now you're exactly correct in saying now there's overwhelming data And the question is, what do you do with it? Right. And I think for us again, it was going back and first seeing if the data we have is a good fit for the solution we want to develop.
0: (laughs) So right. So that's a good. uh, Yeah. You don't want to miss that step, I think. Uh, But 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 we do a lot of times. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and again, I think from um, again the development process, I think. And sometimes we develop things, uh, but also you have to be agile enough to go and start validating and testing um, what you have. So what we like to do is we like to break the development of the entire product into different phases. So another key thing to keep in mind is you don't have to deliver a perfect solution on the first day, no. Uh, there's something what we call a minimum viable product so we build something let's say phase one we think it's good enough and then we go and we actually test and validate and see if this is what they want before we spend another 12 months putting more development and resources and data and feeding it from all directions
0: right 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 yeah yeah um yeah that's interesting so you, 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 I, I see this all. We see this all the time, where people, um, uh, yeah, they're just kind of drowning in the data, mm-hmm. and and, um, and and you spend. So, I'm, I'm thinking about. So, there's a there's a there's a little company here in Houston called Data Gration, and mm-hmm. um, and I was talking with their CEO Jorge McNeish, who's been in the industry for many years. and He's been the CEO of some like big name oil and gas service, uh, companies. And, um, and, and he, and I said, okay, so you're bringing all the data together because they have this solution that involves a lot of operational production data and stuff. And then, and then mm-hmm. they're creating new workflows with all that. And I said, so you're bringing all the data together. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, just, we're just bringing like, the important data together or the, the data, like the, what we actually mm-hmm. need, that's what we're bringing together. We're not we're not pulling everything together. And, and that's kind of what you're describing, right? Is figuring out what do we actually yeah. need to accomplish this.
1: It's, it's important to say no. You can't say yes to everything um, that's coming your way um, because it's so hard. It's so easy to get get lost in all that and again, lose focus. So I think that's been a key learning for me as well. To mm-hmm. like our clients would come out come with to us for with five hundred requests, right? But again to look at prioritization of that of those requests, evaluating the resources that you have and looking at okay, potentially what will add the most value. And then you you, you need to learn to start to say no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's another key that's another important aspect of product management discipline right is um Mm -hmm. how to how to assess the value of each particular thing and prioritize that um and really understand and 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 even taking kind of a release oriented mentality right we don't see that a lot of times internally in organizations some 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 of the companies that are really adopting um you know more uh like, like like real agile um uh, approaches. Uh, I don't just mean where they say agile and that's just like code for chaos, but 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 where they're actually using the agile you know processes. So some of them are, are, are doing taking kind of a release oriented uh, mentality, but not a whole lot, and that really forces you absolutely.
1: Right? And this is the difference I've seen in myself as well, like trying to discipline myself um, when developing <laughs> solutions. Um, absolutely, yeah. like before. I mean, especially in like big companies you have and we all know like this is the new buzz in the industry, uh, digitize everything. Um and I've experienced it um in my previous companies and now with Kepler as well. And and I think it's a it's an approach that I've tried uh to imbibe in myself. Um and I used to be running around chaotically at the trading right. flows before trying right, to right. get we need, this, we need this, need this, need this, need this. Yeah, we need absolutely, this. Right. Exactly, absolutely. Right. Um yeah. And I'll be honest in saying that did not uh, lead us anywhere. Um, right. And to go from there to where we are now,
0: yeah. Yeah, and you find some when you do that, you find that you might be satisfying some immediate need or desire really, but you're creating something that's not sustainable, right? Because how do mm-hmm. you... Cause how do you, um, if, if, if you, if you're driven by, I need this, I need this, I need this. And you're running around, like you said, what are the, what's the likelihood at that point that you're going to produce something that you can operate and sustain and support over time. Right. It's like, like, it's just Mm going to be a continuous mess. So um,
1: absolutely. And for the, for the freight product, again, I'll take an example, like the principle that we worked with was, okay, we found a gap. For analysis, we found a gap for fundamental market analysis. So we also did, I mean, again, it's maybe not relevant um, if you're doing this within your own organization, but for us, competition landscape is also important. So mm-hmm. to lit- Yeah, to no, scan... you'd be surprised
0: how much that yeah. actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that enters in for sure.
1: So yeah, we, we had to find this little gap to kind of close the industry loop and we identified, okay, it's going to be market, fundamental market analysis. We're going to look at supply and demand. We're going to keep it simple. Like we use technology where it's needed. We don't use it just for the sake of using it or being able to use those buzzwords.
0: Right, so right.
1: really kind of optimize what you're developing and how you're developing it.
0: Okay. So uh, so this is all really, this is good stuff. I think it's all really great advice for our friends uh, in, in oil and gas who are Trying to move these initiatives forward, and it sounds like it sounds like you're having fun, right? Like you're enjoying what you're doing. You're gonna, you're your uh, this 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 switch has been uh, sounds like it's been good for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been very rewarding. Uh, we've been um, fortunate enough to be positively received by the industry. Um, so I think that's that's the biggest validation right. one can have. So yeah,
0: right, excellent. Okay, so how do um. And so, if people want to learn more about uh, about Kepler, about you, about any of this stuff, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I know you guys got a website. Is there any anything uh, anything in particular that you would want to uh, direct people toward?
1: Yeah. So yeah, the website is like you mentioned. It's Kepler without the e, so K-P-L-E-R.com. So we have page uh, dedicated to different products. You can go there, and find out the solutions that we offer. Uh, You can also find us on social media. So we have a LinkedIn page. You can just try and search for it, Twitter and YouTube. Um, And I would say YouTube is a great resource. Um, We regularly post there, so you can go follow us. We also have uh, great market webinars done by a research team uh, for the commodity market. So these are public resources. You can go have a listen, and they're great. I highly recommend. Um, And yeah, to find me, you can again go to LinkedIn. Um, yeah, search I, for my name, and you'll see a big oil tanker in my profile banner. Yes, and then I, he, yeah, I saw
0: that. I saw that. I found you on LinkedIn very easily. So, and I did. I did see that big oil tanker. So, uh, yeah. that's fantastic. And and so we can go, and then we can learn about your new freight product. Which actually, uh, you know, there are some interesting things. Uh, I mean, there's certainly a a, a a a part of the industry where we're still trying to work out how to optimize. Great mm-hmm. routes and, and people are starting to use digital twins and, and all sorts of fancy models and things to do all that. So it's a, it's an interesting area. So uh, Shruti, thank you for uh, making time. And hopefully uh, we're going to get you on your way to, to your evening there in Dubai here. Um, and, uh, and, and, but I appreciate you uh, appreciate you being on the show and it's a lot of, a lot of good advice.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed the conversation. So, and you have, <laughs> I hope so. you have, Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It's nice to let, like to give some key learnings. I I sound, I feel wise.
0: (laughs) Yeah, It's good. It's always a good feeling to, to share that with people. Okay. Very good. Thank you. I just got a couple more things to say here to wrap up. Of course, again, thank you to our sponsor, Top Coder. Uh, Open Talent Models. If if you haven't learned about Open Talent Models, go to topcoder.com. And learn all about it. Also, uh, you should, uh, if you're not a part of the OGGN Street Team, then you should be part of the OGGN Street Team because they're doing a lot of fun stuff. It's a great way to get involved with the industry, uh, do some good stuff for, for the industry, for OGGN, do some good things for yourself. Get out behind, get out from from behind the endless zoom calls i think you get to wear a cool hat and you get into all our stuff for free and you get to talk about us on social so uh look up this guy brian mon m-a-h-n come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry a production of the oil and gas global network learn more at
1: oggn.com